0: The Leafs this week, Brent Cutting and Gord Stellick with me for the next hour. Well, a little less than an hour, but it's going to feel like an hour. So much info tamed and packed in. Gord, a great, great win for the Leafs last night. The bounce back effort we were all looking for. Plenty to chew on today in the Leafs this week.
1: Yeah, and the hour, just so people know, we may get off at 55, but you and I talked for five extra minutes. So there's uh, right. all kinds of bonus <laughs> bonus coverage. We never stop. We never stop. And uh, what, um, you know, being in lockdown mode isn't everyone's cup of tea or anybody's cup of tea. But if there ever was a weekend to have that uh, with the bitterly cold weather, great NFL playoff action and a great Saturday night Leaf game, this probably was the one. So you're right. Plenty to chew on, even though there were two games. The five off days or some of them maybe maybe as interesting or as intriguing as the actual games.
0: Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. Yeah, and then you throw in the capper last night of the Battle of Alberta as good a thing to wrap up your uh, your, your night of sports watching as anything else there. Of course, yeah, the Leafs taking care of business on Long Island. Uh, a lot to talk about. You know, you and I I, I, think, I, I think I speak for you, and I say maybe the most interesting thing that happened with the Leafs this week was what Sheldon Keefe said following the Rangers game. You know, he walked back some of the comments, calling the team soft, but, you know, I think he also means what he said. And, you know, you you and I have both been uh, pretty, pretty, you know, high on Keith this year and the job he's done. I love that he called the team out. I, I, I understand him walking it back a little bit because you don't want it to become too, too much of a story. But, you know, it, it feels to me like maybe, maybe that's the biggest story for the Leafs this week.
1: Well, I, I got to put as well the the reaction by the team last night, and, and you know he he did make the comment about how they played against the New York Rangers. You know, just uh, just that word just jumps out there, and it's a word I know Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas uh, aren't aren't thrilled to have associated with the team because it's been a criticism. A lot of people have had the whatever number of years about whether it's grit, sandpaper, toughness, whatever may be uh, perceived to be lacking. So uh, I. I uh, you, you, coach has to pick his spots when to call a team out. I think Sheldon Keith. I think he's done a great job in every which way, shape, and form. And there's no question. You cannot continue to blow leads. Okay, understand you're missing players due to COVID. 31 other teams are going through the same thing at different times. The point is, that's the killer. That's what's gnawing at anybody what happened last year, trying to forget the Montreal memory. Blowing a three-game to one lead, blowing two goal leads in two of those final three games. So you want to create good habits in the regular season. And even though they played well on this road trip, even before the game last night, that's just a terrible habit to see creeping back in. So uh, I'm glad... I'm glad he he mentioned it or called them out whatever you want and I'm I'm I I think he he and everyone else has to be pleased with the response last night.
0: Yeah, and that, that, that's exactly what it comes to to me is, you know, we we look back to the way we talked about this team, the way we watched them once they kind of found their legs after, after that rocky start. It all goes back to that overtime win in Chicago, which feels like 100 years ago. But once they went on that roll, they completely locked things down. It was either the first 16 or 17 times this season they took a lead into the third period. They converted on it. Like, those are Tiger Woods with a lead in a golf tournament numbers. Like, it was incredible the job they were doing locking it down, shutting the door. And that was the thing that when, when people look at this team, you know, okay, maybe coming into the year, Jack Campbell was a bit of a question mark. That, that, that's fair. But the question was never, can this team score enough? We always knew they were going to, even when they were having trouble scoring at the beginning of the year. No one was worried about that. But the thing we needed to see was that they were actually able to hold on and play that defensive hockey, still able to push, but be able to do it responsibly. And I think that's why it was such a, a topic of conversation, because that's been the bugaboo for this team and the fact that you're able to take the lead last night you there was never really a moment where it felt like the islanders were going to come back i mean maybe they had little pushbacks here and there because again you're not going to dominate a team for 60 straight minutes but that that's what it's all about to me is they just need to get back to that that style of hockey that belief that they can kind of instill in themselves and then make all of us believe that when they go into the third with the lead or they take a lead in the third period that it's dead and gone they just have to be able to lock it down because that's how it's going to come in the playoffs yeah you're going to have comeback victories of of course you're going to have a few exciting ones we'd all love to see it but the way you win games in in the playoffs is you, you get a lead you play tight hockey and you lock it down and I think that this team has the ability to do it they just need to kind of get back to it and we we saw the, the kind of the beginning of that last night, you know, a guy who was kind of at the start of locking or, you know, at the center of locking it down last night was Peter Morazic. You know, the goaltending has been average uh, from Jack Campbell lately it has been terrible, but it's not been the, you know, Vesna caliber that we've seen. And I think the fact that they got a really strong night out of Morazic that that's huge for, for this team going forward as well.
1: Yeah, I viewed that as the number one positive, and I would have picked him as the first star if we're picking three stars last night because it, it wasn't a ton of saves, which actually makes it a more difficult game for him, but he really did make the big saves. And, you know, again, you go in an 82-game season, you look back at watershed games, and I still think that Chicago game will always be the biggest. Uh, I loved what seemed to be, again, we're not in the dressing room, but the perception was about the in, the young internal leadership group taking over the accountability factor, and all of a sudden, when it looked really dark, they turned it around. This may be second last night uh, about about the response and, and reaction, not not just to what Sheldon Keith said, but. How they played, which made Sheldon Keefe say that. And I'm sure inside the dressing room, they weren't too thrilled with about blowing all those kind of leads. So it's funny last night, of course, when you win, it's a whole different animal, right? Post game. But boy, oh, it, it, it sure. couldn't have been nicer last night about everyone, everything is beautiful. You want to, you know, do we are the world to do that video 40 <laughs> years later, or whatever, or just, you know, just about everyone just getting along great. So it's uh, the best talking is on the ice. And who would have thought that a few hours later, the one, the, the team that was in the most dire position about doing some talking on the ice gets down 2 nothing and comes back and win it. Of course, talking about the Edmonton Oilers. And again, for the first time in eons for them, and part of the hurt was administered by the Maple Leafs when they, they played Edmonton a couple of weeks ago, uh, the
0: Oilers got to breathe. Man, the Oilers, they, they needed they needed breath like, well, they needed air. Like, it was getting real, real dark in Edmonton. You know, the entire talk out there is that is that the Holland's looking for a goalie. You got Tippett coming out and saying, oh, Mike Smith's not even close. I don't know how that helps your kind of negotiating stance. Uh, you had the whole thing with Dreisaitl and, and Jim Matheson. Uh, you know, is he pissy? Is that a bad thing to say? Can you say that? Oh, I just did. Like, it, it was getting real bad. You know, we, we felt, you know, there were all the rumblings when the Leafs were kind of going through that before the Chicago game in the season of oh man they, this is not a happy group they feel like there could be changes we kind of heard those rumblings you kind of felt them it's like an earthquake of those rumblings in Edmonton right now so yeah you want to talk about a team that needed to figure it out that needed to win bad I I honestly don't know like you know we we know the seasons uh that Montreal has had that Arizona have had well wins don't matter to those guys when you have McDavid you have dry the points always matter and yeah they that I'm I I'll be honest I do shot him Freud like like Watching the Oilers struggle a little bit with all those number one picks, but uh, I had to feel good for them uh, getting, getting back in the win column last night.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, like uh, how I don't know how you watch games. I Me, mean, one, um, I we try not, I try not to, and we try not to be homers. But I'm still always an unabashed Leaf fan. Being fortunate to work for them only adds to that uh, that privilege, if for want of a better word. But I was that way from. I think birth or whenever, as long as I can remember. So, you know, that's one, but then I, I cheer for individuals like, you know, Hey, Bruce Boudreau is thousandth game coaching in the NHL tonight when Vancouver hosts St. Louis. But I don't know Miko Koskinen at all. And I have no skin in the game in any way, shape or form, but I give this guy all cre- all kinds of credit. I mean, like, okay. So Mike Smith's hurt. Yeah. Surprise. Stuart Skinner, unfortunately in COVID protocol. Cause maybe they might take it and, you know, run with the kid for a while. But, man, this guy, Koskinen, just getting vilified is he is is the cause. He is the epicenter. He is the patient zero for everything that is wrong with them. (laughs) And, you know, and he's got all that crap, the hockey world, the Edmonton world. And and he goes out and does that. And, I mean, he looked – it looked a little (laughs) unusual at times. But, you know, Dominic Hashing did that for years, and and I I give him so much credit. And I'll tell you – You know, Brent, in all the great Leafs, and we'll be talking more and more about Austin Matthews, who if he re-ups here, um, I believe will be the greatest Maple Leaf ever. um, You know, no disrespect to Dave Keon or anybody else. But that's where I garnered so much respect for Borea Somming that, you know, he played on some Leaf teams that were really good, but a lot of the time were Leaf teams that weren't that good. And the way he went and played, to play Hall of Fame style, game in, game out, doesn't matter what kind of season, what game. I mean that—that's the true test of why he's a Hall of Famer. And to me, Koskinen ain't going to get in the Hall of Fame. Don't get me wrong, but just you know, but but <laughs> what I saw from him last night, I give him all the credit in the world, Miko Koskinen, all the credit in the world. I was cheering for him. I was pulling for him.
0: Man, he he has had a tough go of it. Now, I want to pick up on what you said about him, but just you mentioning if Matthews resigns with the Leafs when his deal is up he will go down as the greatest Leaf of all time you've been hammering that I completely agree with you and you know I remember when they made the big recruiting pitch to Tavares there was I, I I believe they brought Mitch Marner in and they showed him skating under the lights and they had a cool video tribute they just need to play that audio of you saying Austin Matthews will be the greatest Leaf over and over it just needs to be playing on a loop whenever they uh, whenever they have their pitch uh, to get him re-up because Gord uh, you saying that I mean you, you know the franchise is as well as anybody and it's true like he's already accomplished enough kind of now he just needs to do it when it counts in the playoffs but back to your point uh, about Koskinen how can you not kind of feel for the guy a bit right like I- I've made the jokes just like everyone else you know looking at it from outside it's kind of felt like he's been the Michael Hutchison of-, of sorts there you know the the kind of easy whipping boy and and he's deserved it at times you know the coach threw him under the bus it seems like uh, you know Tippett's a little more to- you know a little happier to go with Mike Smith and he's thrown. Under the bus, he makes 44 saves in a absolute must-win game against their provincial rival on hockey night in Canada. Yeah, how can you uh, how how can you not feel uh, feel happy for him there? I didn't even realize this. How how have I not noticed this all all this time ago? So he was. Back in the day, there were only the thirty picks in the first round, but he would have been a first-round pick in today's uh, NHL. The thirty-first overall pick to the Islanders back in uh, two thousand and nine. Wow, uh, what he a, was the what first goaltender picked.
1: He was, I think, the first goaltender picked in that draft. Like people just think like he showed up, but uh, his, his parents wrote a tryout letter or something, <laughs> and he just landed there. He just landed. you know. I, and and I, I don't want to get boiled down, boiled down in money about things. But and and I'm not I've got there's no criticism about leaf contracts or whatever. Uh, And uh, the salary cap is a reality. And I'm 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 fine with that about that's the way the game operates. Uh, The you know, the players can still take exception if they want to want to or whatever. But all I can tell you is, you know, we know that uh, that Matthews, Tavares and Marner make relatively the same money. Matthews should make double what they make. Okay. I mean, he, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, he's that. He's that. I mean, McDavid should make way, like, and, and that would happen if it wasn't a cap. And I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not arguing for the system to change. I just mean, like, like he's, he's in that status. There's very few in that status that, oh, you know what? Sidney Crosby's coming to town. Mary Lemieux's coming to town. Connor McDavid's coming to town. Wayne Gretzky's coming to town. I got to get tickets to see it. Alexander Ovechkin's coming to town. Like, Austin Matthews is there now. He's there now. And, um, you know, uh, anyway, and I don't, and because also it was different back then about you didn't feature a star player when you went town to town, but there's been no other leaf like that
0: of that singular magnitude. No, and that club is so much smaller than than we think it is. You know, like guy, guys like you and I, we sit here every single night and we're watching games. We spend pretty much every day talking about the league at large. There, there's a million players you can get excited about. You know, maybe it's an Alex Barkov or or whatever. You know, Kale McCarr is kind of becoming that guy right now. But I don't know that even a guy... Quite Like, like somebody as talented as Nathan McKinnon, who you can make the argument on any given night, he could be right as good as McDavid, up there with Matthews, for sure, for sure. But I don't even know that he has that kind of pull. Like, it feels like it's just such a small club to be a part of. And to have that guy be a Leaf, it's just, I, I, I keep banging home this drum, and you do too, is just, you cannot... You cannot take this for granted because there have been a million amazing players here, but there honestly have never, there's never been one like this. And it's just enjoy it, enjoy it while it's here. And I, I'm with you. I hope, I think he's gonna be, uh, he's gonna re up when, when the deal is up. But man, enjoy it because that that group is so small. You mentioned it. What is it? It's Ovechkin, it's Crosby, it's McDavid. It's Matthews, and I I really don't know how much bigger the club is than that. Like, of course, we all have guys we love. Makar might be there the way he's going this season, but it's just that is such a small group of guys, and to to have it in your city, it's just really special.
1: Well, and it's funny. I don't know why it's unfair that defensemen don't count as much. Like Nick Lidstrom <laughs> really is stronger. Like I don't. I, you know, even though they play a ton, but 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 they don't. It's something about something about the forwards. And and, and, and you know what? That, that might be the group. And that's why you know, good on Brad Marchand, kind of like like tweaking the Oiler fans. Uh, hey, remember the booing when you lose? When you wonder why Drysdale and McDavid uh, want to go somewhere else? Like just you know an understanding about you know how great. And I, I don't mind opening Leafs this week with a gush fest because uh, about Austin. Matthews, Matthews, because, you know, I remember when we started talking of whatever it was, and, you know, everyone critiques, hey, we got 24-7 radio, we got 24-7 sports TV, we got, you know, and I just went, hey, how's Austin doing five on five? Hey, 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 relax, relax. It's Austin Matthews, okay? Relax. Just put the video away and critique him, and sit back and enjoy him. Okay, we'll let the coaches figure other stuff from game to game to game. But anything uh, he's he's proven as well what a student he, of, of the game he is, how much he's wanted to learn and add to his game, and worked hard on it. So uh, I you know I can remember when Dougie Gilmore came over, call him Dougie like he, he's my little brother or something, and I and just <laughs> but but I felt that gush fest when he when he came over, watching him game in game out and those kind of things he did, and you know very different. He came in as um, late. 20s or 30s late in his career where, you know, this guy's guy's drafted and we've got to watch him grow from game
0: number one. Well, the thing and and again, like you never want to you never want to denigrate any of these other players. But the the difference between Matthews and kind of all these other guys, Doug Gilmore is a is as beloved a figure as there is in this town. Like Doug Gilmore, a a borderline holy figure in my house growing up. Like I've seen people with killer jerseys walking around with 93 on the back, like he's so beloved. But part of that was because of the other stuff. Of course, it was the goal scoring. Of course, it was the points. Of course, it was the fact that he was a Selkie Trophy winner, but he was also a a heart and soul guy. I picture him in the playoffs with the blood leaking out of his chin and his jerseys covered in it. And for everything Matthews is, he's not necessarily that guy. And the fact that he hasn't really tapped in to that, the Darcy Tucker thing, the the Doug Gilmore thing, the Wendell Clark thing that people in this town love so much, the fact that he is still that beloved without really being that type of player. And I'm not saying that is a knock on him. Not everybody has to be Doug Gilmore. Not everybody has to be Wendell Clark. But the fact that he can Can do it, kind of being that Matt Sundin type, the guy who is kind of above the fray, as opposed to right in the heart of it. That's what tells me just how special and how talented he is. That he can be this beloved this quickly without doing any of that other stuff.
1: Well, and again, you know, as as we know with everyone, it's twenty twenty two. And uh, it's uh, uh, you know so diff- different times, and I, we had a great chat with Scott Stevens six months ago about you know how he would be in 2022 compared to the early uh, '80s, late '80s, early '90s. And he, and he just said, "You know what? if you're a good player, you adapt to how things have changed." And, and uh, we mentioned it, and last night they had a great tribute to uh, Clark Gillies. We've expressed our condolences to Justin Bourne, who is uh, his son-in-law and certainly the Gillies family. and i got to tell you, Brendan, uh, excuse me, i got to tell you about I'm talking. Of everything i gotta tell you i went down uh i went down a rabbit hole starting with clark Gillies' fights like you know one of those rabbit holes you do the same uh, thing in the internet and you know him terry o'reilly yada yada then i started going to wendell clark you got to watch wendell clark and rick Tockett. i remember it like yesterday you got to watch it again you got to watch Lanny mcdonald and billy smith and, and anyway i went down that rabbit hole and 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 that was you know different era and daryl Siller. Could fight in that era. You had to. Dave Keon was a different kind of player. Wendell was beloved. You mentioned Doug Gilmore, Matt Sundine, and and you know, there's really, I mean, Boria and, and there's really nobody else since '67 in that class. And Austin Matthews is moving or, to the t- or may already be in the top of
0: that class. Yeah, he really will, man. You mentioned you mentioned the Billy Smith, Lady McDonald. I think that's the one where Billy Smith. waves the linesman off saying, I know I'm a goalie, but that's fine. I can take care of myself. And his own player. He waves his own player off. And he takes his mask off and fights. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then of course that man uh the rabbit you you went down a rabbit hole now we're going down one together now all i can think of right now is the late uh ray emery when he was playing with the senators and he's in buffalo and he dispatches i believe marty baron was the goalie there and then andrew peters he waves him in and says yeah let's let's have a fight there man it's uh the things you remember uh we we love the goals we love the wins we love the saves but man uh sometimes it's that other stuff that just uh that sticks with you yeah i've uh, i've got down that exact same rabbit uh, rabbit hole the wormhole and as soon as you said billy smith i could picture it like i could close my eyes and i can see it right now uh they you know goalies are always a little off but i i don't think they quite make them like billy smith anymore not since the hex doll it feels like he was oh actually jordan binnington i was about to say they don't make him anymore jordan binnington is always ready for something so maybe he's the last one
1: I was saying he looks like a cruise missile trying to land when he gets mad. He just kind of <laughs> skates around Bennington. He's just trying to find a target. So, you know, we can segue about the goaltending in that, you know, Peter Morazek, very different kind of battle, but his stats going into last night's game 3.59 goals against average, 0.882 save percentage. Granted, only four appearances. Understand that. Understand that. And those stats are better today because how he played last night. But, you know, again, we talk so much about goaltending and we talk about Edmonton, how it's been a big part of their uh, lack of success. Of late. And you know, for the Maple Leafs, it's uh, this is going to be this is going to be something to find out. This is something they're going to need to find out. First of all, get two goaltenders they're confident in, in that can play in the playoffs. And also when they have to look at a decision in the offseason, Peter Mrazek in the first year of a three year three point eight million dollar contract, like what exactly is he? Because they're going to have a problem trying to get Jack Campbell signed. But you know, first things first, what's the best Peter Morazic can play? We really
0: have not seen it, and I thought certainly last night was the best we've seen. Well, it's funny. it's funny. I, you know, and I, I'm not trying to run a, a guy out of town after he's played only four games here. It's not about his play. But, you know, I'm sitting here going, Peter Morazic's right in that kind of tweener money stage. He's not quite making backup money. He's not making starter money either. The Oilers are, they're, they're going to be hot for a goalie this coming summer. And, you know, I do wonder if there's a world where Morazic plays well enough that all of a sudden you can kind of move his money out to help you sign Campbell. Because I still think, you know, despite Campbell's kind of blip here as of late, I still think he's going to be their better option going forward. You know, he didn't forget how to play goal in, in the month of December and into the new year. It's just kind of been a, a slump for him, but yeah, that's the the interesting thing for me and I, I do wonder what the Leafs kind of do with their goalie tandem now. It was always supposed to be a true tandem. Campbell played so well and, and Mrazek was hurt so you had to stick with Campbell, but now you know, what do you do? I think Mrazek played pretty well. He certainly earned himself another start in my book, but you've only got two games coming up this week. Do you want to sit Jack Campbell on hockey night in Canada and but if you if, if you'll play him on Wednesday or sorry if you don't play him on Wednesday then it'll have been basically a full week off for Campbell like I think they've got some interesting decisions what to do with the goaltending. I think it'll figure itself out when the schedule gets really busy, but for right now when they just have the two games this week, I think you'd you'd want to get each guy a start, but then are you kind of, you know, disrespecting Campbell? Like what well, what would you do with the goaltending oh, this week? No,
1: I think you give each guy a start. I don't I don't I don't even mind for a while. And there's no question Jack Campbell is not tired. Nobody on the Leafs is tired. They got to play more games. They got to make up games. Yeah, Everyone they're, knows they're tired
0: that. of not play in hockey. Yeah, no,
1: dying. they are. They are. So I mean, really, Jack Campbell would say, "Look and legitimately, I want all the games, but they got they got to start getting Peter Marazzuca in." But it's funny, you know. Again, the playoffs will decide who stays, who doesn't. Like if Freddie Anderson played last year and had a, in the playoffs and had a strong playoff, it'd be different. But Leaf fans accepted knowing the cap that he was going elsewhere and Zach Hyman was going somewhere else. It's as well. So it's funny with. Jack Campbell, because goaltending is so important. You say, man, this is like the six years of Curtis Joseph, four years, and Ed Bell, for two years. So don't you find every day you're trying to, you know, do the, and then you watch Arizona play and you go, oh yeah, Phil Kessel comes off the cap this year and the Leafs have mm-hmm. some retained money there. That's another whatever, $1.2 million or whatever the figure is. And, you know, you're, it's, it's like you, you know, you're trying to buy something and you say to your partner, didn't your Uncle Bill give you some Canada savings bonds like years ago that, you know, can we cash in the $4,000 and, you know, and help whatever and and you know it's it's kind of like what you're doing if you're a leaf fan trying to look look in the big picture as you uh, as you enjoy the small picture
0: yeah, you're sitting there, you know, all the, all the Leaf fans and Brandon Pridham and Kyle Dubas, they're like shaking couch cousins, cushions like oh, I found a nickel. I found 50 cents and then all of a sudden found 1.2 million coming off the books because of Phil Kessel. It's, you know, like, look, every team has its own cap journey and there have been issues of mismanagement here. There have been really strong deals signed. I do think we kind of forget about that one that think about how long it's been since Phil Kessel's been a Leaf. He's won yeah. a couple of cups in that time and is playing for a different team now and the whole time, I, I in the grand scheme of things, it's a million bucks. But, hey, you know, $1.2 million, that's basically Andre Kasha this year. So don't say it doesn't matter. Or, as I would, I would prefer to put it, that's, that's 300000 more than Michael Bunting's costing you this year. So, you know, it's, yeah. we, we, we have kind of, I think we have kind of, this year it's got talked about because the money's finally coming off the books. But, yeah, it's been one of those things for the Leafs that, you know, they've made their own problems with the cap. But, you know, that's been, that's been lingering here for a really long time. Well and also don't forget what I know they're young and green, but
1: you know, Rasmus Sandine and Lilligren and Dermot in a different way, their contracts come up too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not like they're looking for $5 bucks, but they're not kind of saying, oh, okay, yeah, we understand again. Like, they've done a good job that people are accepting, you know, whether it's a Jason Spezza or whatever, like like the lo- the lowest money to be part of the team, right, and cutting those uh, minimum deals. But, you know, you you wonder what the sentiment might be about all those. And so it's not like the salary is going to go up ridiculous. But, you know, those those are realities. Those are realities. So, again, I don't want to bog everything down with the cap because that's for them to figure out. But those are the realities in moving forward. The big thing is, if you have cap issues this year at the end, have them after a great playoff run. A great (laughs) great playoff run is just what we're looking at and then deal with the cap issues after. And if you have a great playoff run, there may be one of those players that are saying, okay, you know, I'm willing to take a little bit less to stay here because I really want to stay here.
0: Yeah, you, you know who had uh, had cap problems uh, heading into this season? The Tampa Bay Lightning. They were just fine with it because they had back-to-back uh, Stanley Cup rays that they were, they were, in the words of Patrick Roy, that they were able to uh, plug my ear uh, to stop uh, hearing everyone complaining about their cap problems there. that, that That's what it is. You, you Every team in this league, for the, for the most part, like there's going to be teams like the Arizonas, there are going to be teams that are more close to the floor, but any team that is remotely looking at competing, they're going to have cap issues. Like it's just a really, really tag. Cap League, every team is going to have to find a way to deal with it. And like you said, Gord, if guys are due a raise, at least make it be because of a really, really strong uh, playoff run. Uh, Leafs will have a look at just a couple of playoff teams coming up. They got a pretty soft stretch of schedule coming up here. No, no, I'm not pulling a Sheldon Keefe. I did not say the team was soft. I said it is a soft schedule coming up. Gord and I will take a look at that. Also, plenty more to look at in the NHL. Keep listening to the Leafs this week on Sportsnet 590 the Fan. this week, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me, walking you through what was ultimately a relatively successful week for the Leafs and taking a look ahead at a two-game week coming up, Uh, Gord, you know, uh, nobody liked the game against the Rangers, good bounce back against the Islanders, and you know, the next game the the Leafs have, I I was looking at it, of the next eight games they play, only two of them are against teams that are currently in a playoff spot now, Uh, obviously, you know, playoff positioning can change, obviously, there's still time left in the the season but man this is a uh, this is a good you had a real rough you had a real tough trip and this seems like as good a stretch as any to kind of get yourself back where you should be playing the way you should and you started out off that properly with a win last night in new york
1: yeah you know and that's why they play the games i can think of looking at schedules and you go hey there's a soft stretch and oh it didn't kind of work out and then oh my <laughs> god here come these teams and wow we're two and three and oh in those three games against top teams but uh it, it, the, the great teams do to your point Make hay, on, you know, on the weaker opponents, and and again, good habits, good habits, and that's what you want the you want the Maple Leafs to develop and create and sustain, and um, you know, well, you you look at the division right now, which your point being is they're not going to play many divisional games in the next eight. Boston Bruins right there, which we expected. I think most of us did expect yep. they had a whack of games to make, uh, be made up and games in hand. Um, I, I I think the top four teams in a division are the Atlantic Division. I think the the best four teams, I'm not saying they're all the best team in the league, but as far as – the battle there, uh, I think, is the Atlantic where it's settled. But Boston's right there with the Leafs, battling for third and fourth. Then you have the two Florida teams. Leafs do have quite a bit of game, few games in hand to make up, but uh, we'll get a whack of those. But I do believe there are Florida Panther games on the schedule. Is that correct, Brent?
0: I've been told. I keep okay. waiting to see it. You know, this is like my, my kid. Everyone keeps telling me he's going to sleep through the night. Well, one day, he'll he'll do it. He'll sleep all the way through the night. And you all wake up refreshed and happy as it can be. That hadn't happened yet. So, one day, yeah. my kid will sleep through the night. And one day, the Florida Panthers and the Leafs will actually play a game against each other. I, I've been dying to see it, Cord. Because, I mean, you know, the Panthers and Leafs are kind of in the same boat. The Leafs have been doing it for longer. But, you know, these are two really talented teams. Great forward depth. Yeah have goaltending that, you know, uh, for varying reasons people are maybe a little uncertain on they, and they both are still waiting for that playoff breakthrough. Now as you mentioned the difference is they both had first round losses. The Leafs was bitterly disappointing. I think the Panthers last year probably gives them a little confidence heading into this year, but yeah, that's the that's the thing that it's all been about for me in the Atlantic Division this year is just how do those two teams stack up against each other? Cuz I know what the Leafs and Lightning look like against each other. I know what the Leafs in Boston looks like. I'm dying to see how this Leafs team plays Florida. And mo- most importantly, I'm kind of looking forward to all the big time overreactions to that first game against the Panthers because you know there's going to be some one way or another.
1: You know, I mean, what a change from. If you were divvying up seasons tickets and you have 41 home games, that the last one's taken would be Florida Panthers yeah, games. You know, it, you know, and and now I mean, I know even still up to last year, there probably wasn't the appropriate appreciation for that. But you're, you're you know you're right about the resemblance in many ways. And um, when I when I use the word unproven goaltending, I mean Sergei Bobrovsky not an unproven goaltender, and he has had some you know he's had tasted playoff success with Columbus. But uh, you know they they but as a team. These two teams haven't had that success have not had that success. You're, uh, you know, winning a playoff series as a team, uh, they share that. And then their they're, they're teams on on the up, up and up, right, on the rise there. You got Ekblad was the first overall pick, Barkov second overall, Huberto third overall, kind of like the Leafs when they had Matthews, Marner, Nylander, you know, up there as top picks. And I guess you can say Tavares coming as a free agent is another number one overall pick. So, uh, I, and they don't have Stanley Cup rings. Boston still has some guys with Stanley Cup rings. I know it's been a while. Tampa's got a lot of people with Stanley Cup rings. So I love it. I love it. Bring it on. Bring it on. And, and uh, you know, rise to the challenge. And it's, it's, it's going to be a great battle. And it should be a great playoff series. It's going to be a difficult playoff series. But, uh, uh, I mean, whatever,
0: whoever these teams play. But uh, the second and third will have to play each other. So March 27th. That's how long we got to wait. Just two months from now. That's all, Gord. Think about how long we've been waiting to see these teams play each other. And that's when we will finally see it. March 27th, 7 p.m. at Scotiabank Arena. I, I imagine it'll be a pretty hot ticket, like you said. Look, once once we're allowed back in the building, they're all going to be hot tickets, I know. But, uh, but yeah, Leafs-Panthers, it, it's far from your, your older brothers, uh, Leafs-Panthers at the go-to Leafs TV game on a Tuesday night. It felt like that was the kind of go-to schedule. And, uh, yeah, it's not quite the case. Uh, any more. Uh, next game up for the Leafs is against the Ducks. Uh, this is one of the teams that's in a playoff position. Uh, they, they've got that game Wednesday. That's at home. We'll have it for you on, on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Uh, you know, Anaheim, an interesting team. Leafs have had some interesting games against them this year. Uh, the good news for the Leafs, now it's not confirmed he'll be back, but Kasha is on a COVID protocol, so that's nice for him getting a chance to uh, potentially play his old team, and obviously it's a guy they've missed, but, you know, out of the out of the next stretch of games, you know, the Ducks are, they're, they're not quite the goal Nights, they're not quite the ads but they are they're a little bit almost blues light to me it's a heavy team they've got some skill they got a goaltender that can that can give you some saves and, and they've got some dynamic defensemen so yeah I'm I'm curious to see this uh this Ducks team uh when they're when they're here in in Toronto on Wednesday night
1: yeah, and first, one of the silent stories about COVID protocol was guys that had to be left behind, like Kasha. You know, I mean, they're not in prison cells, but they had to be left behind in the States coming back and then rejoined the team again. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> the logistics if you get if you get put in COVID protocol. But uh, the, the Anaheim Ducks, and, and one of the other things we learned this week, so we do have a plan about uh, half-filled buildings starting on January 31st and then full buildings later on, what is it done? No, Half-filled half buildings on on February yeah. on February twentieth, or whatever, and then we'll get full buildings by the time that Florida Panther games there. So le- at least we kind of have a road and an understanding. So what my point being is, it's Anaheim's only visit, and that's really too bad. This is really, I mean, Trevor Zegers is really an exciting player. You know, we're talking about this is a real exciting player to have. Troy Terry has been like what, not the same excitement as Zegris, but he's been a guy that's just burst from having four goals, four goals, seven goals like 20 plus goals now so i i'm disappointed not being down there they're in second place in the pacific division so as you mentioned in this uh, and and they're in a bit of a funk now they're in a bit of a funk Uh, they've been playing real real well they're still second place in that pacific division that nobody really seems to want to win so they're in second place there so they got to get back on track but uh they've been a fun fun team to watch
0: yeah, no, I mean a lot of young talent on that team. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw your buddy Jamie Drysdale in there. Like that that guy was dynamic for Canada just a couple of years ago with the World Juniors, real real slick skater. You know, I think I think everybody, everybody's kind of been blowing behind the pack because of what Makar's done, but, uh, but uh, Drysdale definitely uh, somebody who has a very, very bright uh, NHL future. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. One other thing to kind of point out with the Ducks, feels like this guy has been linked to Toronto for 100 years even though I think he's only 27 years old. Uh, Josh Manson, right shot D, feels like he'd be kind of perfect second pair, maybe third pair guy. Uh, he's been linked to this team so much, I think there'll be a lot of eyeballs on him. You know, what do you, what do you make of the idea? There's been a lot of talk of this team needs to add a blue liner I think you and I agree that that you'd like to see some depth but just just how how much quality should that depth be like it feels like if you go out and made a move for somebody like Josh Manson that probably pushes Justin hall down to your your third pair you know what, what do you make of the idea of adding uh, whether it be Manson or just somebody in general to to that decor
1: well they got to add somebody in general they don't have a lot to um, if it's going to be on the more elite side Uh, They also have to be leery of the whole hired gun thing, particularly after Nick Foligno and and giving up too much. So uh, I've used, for me, the example last year, and I'll use it again, that the Boston Bruins added Mike Riley for a third-round pick from Ottawa. And and that was a good – it didn't win them the Stanley Cup or anything, but, I mean, to me that was just a good NHL journeyman-capable body to add. And the Leafs have to get at least one of those. You know, just someone like that that is is NHL uh, through and through, and and can can do the job that you're not you're not trying to hide them in the playoffs and just pick your spots and get them off and on quickly and uh so so that's the kind of guy Josh Manson you know the market value if we have this have and have not uh like so many teams being sellers which has been unusual because the last few years there's been fewer sellers at the trade deadline. It seemed like a few teams that were looked as sellers got hot the previous two weeks yeah. and kind of got out of it. So I think you can get a better bargain then. Not bargain, you can make a better deal then if there's more teams selling. So that could work on the Toronto Maple Leafs' favor. So, you know, I don't know what the price is for Josh Manson, but certainly he's that kind of guy. I'm, I'm now, um, how about the, uh, the other big question? Is there a tribute video for Sam Carrick? On Wednesday,
0: <laughs> what do you think? I I don't. I mean, they they have given tribute videos to just about everybody. I think that that might be that Pushing might be it? the one we don't get it, but it's okay. possible. I mean, I don't rule out anything. They they they're uh, they're pretty liberal with tribute uh, videos uh, here here at Scotia Bank. So yeah, I I, uh, I would be surprised, but uh, oh Gord, you throw me at that. every time. It's funny. The, a guy like Carrick, right? He's somebody who you just see, and oh yeah, whatever happened to him? Like guys like just floating around like that. Leipzig was another one who was here forever. Of course, Fratton, you go back all the way to, to him not scoring on that breakaway against yeah. the Bruins 100 years ago. Yeah, man, there's uh Oh, man, you make me laugh with the uh, with Carrick there. Of course, uh, Leafs and Ducks, that's Wednesday night. Uh, we'll have the game for you on Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan. And then Gordon and I will have a post-game show for you after that. Uh, only other game for the Leafs this week, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, that's against the Red Wings, I believe, that game. Yes, it is in Detroit. You know, we've talked so much about the young talented players. Players in this league and it feels like there's a guy in Detroit who you know he's getting his due in kind of NHL circles but but most cider this this defenseman like they got Lucas Raymond who may end up kind of finishing better in the Calder Trophy but uh, voting but anytime you have a D that's kind of logging the minutes he does just looks so comfortable at such a young age like it is just an incredible time to be a fan of the game right now if you love young defensemen who can kind of do it all of course we talk about Makar I just mentioned Drysdale but you know cider for for the Wings, he feels like another guy that that's kind of it feels like at this time next year we're all going to be talking about how amazing he is
1: yeah no it really really seems seems like that i, I do wonder as well brent about how many people will drive down to catch the game like you know it's entirely you can't possible, get full, yeah. You, yeah i mean you can't get full houses here for a while and what a great new venue to watch at uh, i know Red Wing tickets have got that dreaded word softer, more available uh, the last few years. In, in, uh, in, so I don't know. I, what a great game. What a, what a great fun game to go down and watch. But th- they've not had the lottery luck like the Maple Leafs had in getting Austin Matthews like teams hope they have you know, this year for Shane Wright and then Condor Bedard the following year. Uh, Arizona's another team that hasn't had lottery luck. Like Arizona and Detroit really are two teams that have drafted you know, relatively high for the last few years and haven't got into the final three, haven't had the balls go the way that it did twice for the New York Rangers, for example. So, you know, they don't complain. They just go out and do it. And Steve Eisman always says, yeah, I like my coach. Uh, The, the team is um, the, the team isn't good enough to get to the next level. I just haven't given them the players, so I'm not going to blame them. And that's the end of our turmoil. You know, meanwhile, the Buffalo Sabres can have a press conference extolling the virtues of a general manager who 10 days later, they let go, you know, and, um, that kind of stability, you're liking it, and you're seeing the thorough scouting and those kind of players just developing in a great, nurturing, inv- and patient
0: environment in Detroit. Well, and that's been the thing I've been kind of... Uh, that. Obviously, when I'm looking at the Atlantic Division, I'm, I'm focused on the Leafs. That's the thing I'm most concerned about. I'm curious about these playoff races, but I almost think there's kind of another race going on, and it's the rebuild race. Like, Montreal has has joined it very late. They made a run to the cup final, and now they're deep in the throes of, of a rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it there. But the Senators, Sabres, and Red Wings are all kind of on the same clock. Now, the, the Sabres spun their wheels maybe a little longer than those other two, but that's the thing I'm most interested to see, because one of those teams in the next couple of years is, uh, you know, I think it's going to be Boston that's going to fall off, but I've been waiting for them to do that for the past couple of seasons. But, you know, at some point, a Leafs, a Tampa, a Boston, they're going to slide in this division. I'm really curious to see because the Red Wings, the Sabres, and the Senators, they, they all have got... You know, some really, really talented prospects, young players that you love that are already in the league, but it's the job of filling it in around there. And, you know, maybe it's because he's done it before. Maybe it's because of everything he was as a player. But I I just, how can you not have the most confidence in Steve Eisenman to kind of win that race if you're looking at those three teams?
1: And Brent, look what he did this past year. Okay. You know, looked at things and, you know, made a determination that Anthony Mantha... They're going to move on. He made a real hockey trade last year, the deadline. There's very few real hockey trades. He made that one with Washington. Another one was Jeff Carter coming to Pittsburgh. That was kind of more of a real hockey trade rather than a hired gun thing. Then he kind of goes, hey, we're kind of getting to a spot. Um, Unlike Buffalo and Ottawa have done, let's look at our goaltending. How about that Nadelkovic guy from Carolina, right? How about getting the first goaltender picked in the draft? They traded up and, and leapfrogged over Edmonton okay, who, what team could use a goaltender more than Edmonton, and Edmonton uh, Edmonton ended up not picking a goaltender, or excuse me, did pick a goalt- picked a center where they leap up and get Sebastian Kosa from uh, uh, playing over in the Edmonton Oil Kings kind of ironically, the number one goaltender ranked in the draft last year, so all of a sudden they got Nedeljkovic, the present, and they got a top prospect as far as the future goes, so putting it together, it's not like, you know, you get these guys in Edmonton with the Oilers and go, okay, we're going to go back to Coskett and hope mike smith's healthy is that okay guys (laughs) well no year five it ain't okay year five it doesn't and this is where all those little little bricks that are involved or big bricks boulders whatever
0: steve eiserman's really adept at at getting them in place yeah you you nailed it there especially with the goaltending thing like i think a lot of times teams are kind of hesitant to go out because with a goaltender it usually is a bet even if it's not a big kind of financial bet in terms of it you you you, we all say the joke of goaltending is voodoo. You never quite know what to make of it. You never know what you're going to get year to year. And it just feels to me like a lot of teams are like, we'll build the group up around it and then figure out the goaltending when the team's good enough. Well, if you're not getting the goaltending, how do you know if the team's ever good enough? Like we've seen Leafs teams here that I think were good enough that haven't got the saves. I'm talking about when Anderson was hurt and you had to rely on the, the Enroth's of the world. And, and that we know what it looks like when you have a team that is talented Enough that's not getting the saves it can kind of break them a little bit so i I'm with you i I echo everything you said there about the job Eisiserman's done, and then when it comes to the lottery luck, they have like just missed and they've done a good job finding the players like I, I talked about Moritz Sider, they got him at six raymond guy could potentially win the calder this year they got him at four but they just keep kind of missing out on those elite guys in the last years they've struggled they've picked six fourth sixth six ninth like if they're able to sneak up just a couple of spots in each of those drafts you can only imagine the type of player that they, they'd be able to get there and again they've done good jobs finding guys but you know it, I think that just is kind of another feather to the cap of, of Iserman that he's been able to do it without the, the lotto luck. So yeah, I'm a, i am uh I I think I'm the most confident that the, uh, the, the Red Wings are going to kind of win that race of, of those bottom teams. Uh, just kind of looking, looking elsewhere uh, at the NHL, you know, we talked about the Oilers. They snapped their losing streak last night. Uh, that that needed to happen there because uh, it was getting dark early in, in Edmonton. Uh, just, just a couple other uh, stores going to throw at you. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, he get he, he, he scores in the Capitals OT win last night he's 36 years old Gord, and he leads the league in points and goals now i know they've played more games than some of the other teams so you could say at a points per game he's not leading the way i i don't care about per game numbers i care that at 36 years old in the month of nearly february ovechkin's leading the league in points or tied for the league in points and goals it's it's incredible i thought he'd score goals i don't know that i thought he put up points quite this way what a bummer for
1: Chris Kreider! He held the lead; he scored twice <laughs> yesterday, and he held the lead briefly. And they they were loving that in New York, whatever they touted that everywhere. Uh, that and well, anyway, he is tied now. He is tied with Ovi. And uh, you're right about the points. And I guess Dryside all came back and tied him later on. But yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and and, uh, and 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 a physical player as well. And and as Wayne Gretzky said, he's had a knack of not getting injured, whatever that knack may be. And uh, you, you love it. You love his passion, right? You love his passion. That's what that's what you like to see. I see. See. I get back to the gush fest with Austin Matthews. Uh, I see that with him as well. It's it's different. I mean, Ovi, it's it's overt. He's the guy that comes yeah. in the party and right away, you know, <laughs> grabs the saxophone from the band guy and just goes crazy. You know, Austin just kind of chills there with his nice clothes on, and people come around him. You know, so uh, I, I I I love the Ovechkin Express. It seems like Wayne Gretzky motivated him. Well, not that Wayne needs any more work, but he should be like a, a motivational speaker <laughs> or something like that because when he so classly said, you know, I, I expect him to break my record and I'll be the happiest guy. Like, like boy, Ovi is just taking off in a tear. and It, it wasn't a 10-game blip.
0: Yeah, you would have thought Ovechkin was some 10-year-old uh, growing up in, in Brantford. I get to shake Wayner's hand? Okay, I'll get on this thing. I'll, I'll get it done. Like, it does feel like that's been the, uh, the shot the Army's needed, not, not that he's uh, needed it. And, man, uh, the Capitals, one, one day they're, they're going to slow down. And I'm honestly just talking about Ovechkin for a second here. I'm so happy that he got, that he got the ring. That we don't have to be sitting here and having this conversation about him chasing this record or him leading the league in points and going, but he never got it done. And, you know, I like the guy in this market that kind of most recently was that guy was Joe Thornton. And, you know, it's going to be sad when he retires, if he's unable to to get the cup and get the ring, that unfortunately it's going to be a part of conversation. It won't be the first thing you talk about, but it will be brought up. And I'm just, I'm so happy for Ovechkin that, you know, he doesn't have the three like Crosby has, never had a dynasty, but the fact that he got it done and he was the guy on that team, I'm just I'm so happy for him that we don't have to kind of have that other conversation when it's all said and done for him.
1: And, and you know, Speaking of golden oldies, and they're not old, but um, the camera cut away too quick. I really wanted to see more of the Wayne Simmons Sedano Chara conversation. Yes, China. like that was just one. They, you know, they, they got in each other's wheelhouse a bit, and then there were these smiles and whatever the heck they were saying. I would have loved it. You got to think two guys that certainly respect the physicality of the other. But I just, I just cut away, and I just kind of wished I'd, I'd like. You know, it. There's not too often I want to be a fly on the wall about that. But uh, you know, and, and good on Big Z. Uh, going on and on, you know, and 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 we mentioned uh, it, it wasn't his hit,
0: but and you mentioned it was right at like Clark Gillies, like the nine minute mark the, in the first so period. It, I I had to go back and rewatch it this morning. So the nine minute mark of the first period, in tribute to Clark Gillies, they the crowd just starts going nuts, and at eight fifty six left in the period, so four seconds later, Martin just wallpapered Tavares. Yeah. So that so so that was it. Every time it was nine, they they did it and they they're 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 creative there,
1: the Ranger fans. And so anyway, they're good. They they enjoyed their moment but then the uh and, and that you know, the angle of all goal, like like good on the least again, not using the word quitting. That's not quite the word, but playing out to the till the Till the buzzer, and it was almost like the Islander, fan, Islander players gave up a little bit. And what a brutal goal! Like I know the backhands are tough to go. You know, we kind of wondered Morazic on the backhand just before that on the Zach Parisi goal, but then you know that Engvall goal, man, oh man! But good on, good on, good on the dig, good on the dig by, uh, uh, good, good on who, did, who dug it from the corner again here. Let me get it straight. Anyway, good on the dig by the Maple Leafs and that, and uh, and and then Engvall putting it out. But to, some good thorough work right to, right to the buzzer.
0: Oh, that was a it was a tremendous tremendous finish by by or move by Engvall to get himself in a position to finish. Yeah, if you're if you're uh if, if we were doing Islanders post game show, I'd be I would be livid ending the period on a goal like that. Soft, we we have we, you know I don't think i I'm, I'm too quick to call a goal soft. That one was soft, slid along the ice, not a lot of mustard on it on the backhand. Less than a second left in the period. Oh man, you've got to have that. But I'm like you, Gord. I want the Leafs to win, so I'm very, very happy that Varlamov was unable to do that. Uh, Pierre Engvall gets the goal last night. Uh, Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner also doing so. The Leafs, they'll be back at it on Wednesday. Gord, you and I will be there. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be here with you, uh, getting you set for, for the uh, Leafs and Ducks. Uh, that'll be a fun one. Just two games this week, so it's Leafs-Ducks on Wednesday. We'll have that for you on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, and then the Red Wings on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Gord, should be a fun week, and as we said, get ready for us, because in the month of february it's uh, pretty much every other day
1: yeah i, I gotta plug it's mikhayev that did a good job coming uh, digging the puck out whatever didn't get an assist but yes we're gonna be uh, talking mikhayev and and your buddy bunting and everybody else pretty well on a daily basis soon so fun week and we'll look forward to
0: wednesday I get to talk about Michael Bunting every day. It's going to be a great month. All right. Leafs this week. That's been it. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday following the Leafs and Ducks. Gordo, always fun. Most importantly, thanks you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday when the Leafs host the Ducks. Thanks so much for listening to the Leafs this week.